It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show Welcome to another wonderful episode of The Rock Show. This is episode 148. Only two more episodes to episode 150. That's a milestone. Um, yeah. And today we got a uh, special episode. And uh, Mike is talk about a band that a lot of people don't know about, but a lot of people do know about, but they were big in Europe. And he's talking about UFO. And this is not a conspiracy show. This is the rock show. <laughs> this is probably the only time we've talked about UFOs, and it's not a conspiracy show. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, yeah, this is another, the second of four fan-requested shows. The last one we did was on the Flesh Tones. And yeah. this one was requested by our good friend Dan Scott. Okay, who we had on the Zappa show, who's a big fan of the show from the beginning. Good guy. Yeah. He contributes a lot on the Rock Show group page. Uh, and it was also a request of Frank Anthony, a guy I've known on Facebook for a long time. Uh, yeah. We, you know, he's, he, he requested we do UFO. He actually, I believe, saw them back in the day. Uh, so, you know, shout out to those two guys, Dan Scott and Frank Anthony. Um, UFO. Now, 50 year history. <laughs> yeah, 50 year history. And and you know, I'm gonna be a little humble right here, and I'm gonna admit that Rock and Mike didn't know a whole lot about this band. Okay. I uh I knew I knew some songs. I knew the live album Strangers in the Night, which was famous. Um in, in my in my upbringing, I think I, I I didn't totally dive into this band because I kind of lined them up with stuff like Rush, okay. And which you all know, I, I'm not a big Rush fan. Um, and they did tour with Rush. I think somewhere in my teenage mind, I, I, I got that mixed up. Okay. But, but you know, I've known about quite a few songs that I've liked. Uh, Doctor, Doctor, stuff like that are okay. But I, I, I never totally dived into UFO. So I want to thank the two guys that requested this because they actually opened my eyes a little bit to this band. And uh, they do have some very interesting, interesting albums. Uh, they're kind of like this bridge between hard rock, British hard rock, and and British heavy metal of the of the late seventies, the new wave British heavy metal scene, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Uh, there's also a lot of very interesting connections between this band and other bands. Uh, Michael Schenker was in the Scorpions. Larry Wallace. Uh, was in an early form of Motorhead, uh, you know, and I'll mention these guys and you'll see some of these, these names. Uh, the British scene is, 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 uh, you know, I, I, I think they all kind of, I want to say they're incestuous in a way because they share each other's members and, and, you know, but a lot, a lot of, a lot of people cite UFO as a major influence. Okay. In America and the United States, I mean, and Europe, you know, and the United States, uh, they just never quite made it here. No, you no. Know, I think there were a couple of points where they were like that close, okay, but just didn't break. And uh, 
a lot of reasons for that. Sold, they still sold over 20 million album, which is, you know what? That's impressive. Worldwide. Man. Yeah, worldwide. worldwide. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. No, they're, they're definitely, definitely, uh, why they're not really considered bigger or at a, a higher level, I don't know. I think that there were a lot of problems in this band, a lot of tensions. They had lineup changes. I, I think there was a lot of lumping up going on. Uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't exactly keep it all together. And I think that happened at times when they were like really almost about to break. You know, Michael Schenker left the group about 10 times and came back like 10 times. So, yeah. you know. So, um, all right, let's 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 get started here and talk about UFO. It's going to be an interesting yeah. show. Listen close. A lot of information here. They actually got their start in 1968. Uh, they formed wow. in England, and they were called originally Hocus Pocus. But <laughs> they... Yeah, typical, you know, late 60s psychedelic kind of thing that they were doing. They called themselves UFO. They changed it to UFO a year later in 1969. Um, now you're going to think UFO means unidentified flying object. It actually doesn't. There was a club called UFO in London in those days, and they named themselves after the club. It had nothing to do with aliens. Okay. So, <laughs> so they released two, 22 studio albums, and 14 live albums, 16 compilation albums, and one album of cover songs, okay, in their history. Uh, like I said, they were very influential on the new wave British heavy metal scene. And uh, in fact, to this day, Dr. Doctor, one of their most well-known songs, is still used by Iron Maiden as a intro song. Before they come out, you hear Dr. Doctor from UFO. Yeah. No, that's, that's kind of cool, okay? Now, um, Phil Mogg, the lead singer and guitarist Mick Bolton, bassist Pete Way, and drummer Andy Parker were that original lineup in '68. Um, and going into when they called themselves uh, UFO in '69, um, <clears throat> they were signed by Noel Moore, okay, while playing at the UFO Club, and uh, that was part of Beacon Records. All right, they signed first to Beacon Records label. Their first album was called UFO One, and it was released in 1970. It's a typical 70s kind of hard rock record with, yeah. you know, uh, it's like a heavy version of Eddie Cochran's Come On, Everybody. And uh, the album really didn't get much attention in, in, in Europe or the United States. Uh, the second album released the next year in 71 called UFO 2, Flying. All right. A little bit of a different album, uh, more kind of psychedelic, space rock, Hawkwind-influenced a little bit uh, kind of thing. Didn't go anywhere. However, there was a track called Boogie for George that got on the second album that actually made it to number 30 in Germany. Wow. All right. Now, Germany is a big market, and, you know, it got them other attention that the, the next single, uh, Prince Kajugo, and also uh, the song Flying got to number 26 in Germany as well. Okay. Flying is uh, 
the title track of the second album. It's, it's a long opus, long song. Okay. Uh, other than that, uh, UFO was not taken off anywhere in, 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 in Europe and definitely not in the United States as of yet. Now, some of the early work is reminiscent of Hawkwind, like I said, uh, but the 26-minute title track, Flying, and there was also a 19-minute long track called Starstorm, okay, on that album. And it just, you know, when you got two songs that are 20 minutes long on one album, you know, that's like a little out yeah. there, right? So, you know, it just, they, I think they were kind of like finding a sound and they just hadn't settled in on it yet. Interesting to listen to if you're a UFO fan, uh, but it isn't what they were going into the later part of the 70s. Kind of similar to Alice Cooper. I mean, their first Alice Cooper's first two albums were very, very different. Frank Zappa oh, influenced, yeah. influenced. It was on Zappa's label, Straight. That's uh, Pretties for You and, and Easy Action. And then the third album is what you know Alice Cooper is from to this day. So that's yeah. what UFO was like. Their first two albums were very different. Um, in January of 72, Mick Bolton decides to leave UFO, and they set out to find a guitarist with like more of a, a hard rock sound, something that they could really you know, jam out on, okay? And after some brief trial runs, they had Larry Wallace in the band. Larry Wallace was uh, the guitarist in, 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 the Pink, in the Pink Fairies, okay? And, and like I said, he would later be uh, in Motorhead around 75, okay, the early version of Motorhead before they got Fast Eddie. Um, and also Bernie Marsden on guitar in 72 uh, was in the band. Now, UFO after that decided in 1973 in June of that year to get Michael Schenker. Michael Schenker was 18 years old at the time. And he was playing in the Scorpions. Some of you might know that the Scorpions don't go back that far, but they do. Yeah. Okay. Scorpions go back to around the same time as the beginning of UFO. Uh, German band, and uh, their early stuff is very different than Rocky Like a Hurricane and all that stuff that, that we knew. Um, but Michael Schenker was this like up-and-coming German guitar player, 18 years old, amazing, amazing guitarist. Uh didn't speak a word of English when he started in UFO. Okay. But what they would do is they would, you know, they, they would have him come into the studio. They would jam. And, and he, he had a, a girlfriend, I believe that was a translator. Okay. And she could translate. Well, she, she was his girlfriend, but she could speak English and oh, she, tra right. she translated for them. Okay. Eventually Michael would learn to speak English. Um, you know what's funny on Mike? These guys probably they're like influence like Metallica, Guns N' Roses, oh yeah. and all these other metal bands. Because you can see a lot of influence. Like when they're playing, you can see why a lot of these bands yeah. even play the way they play or they paved the way man, to uh, the heavy metal scene. Because these guys were like hard, hard rock, heavy metal. Like, yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. I mean, they were this bridge, you know, like they kind of yeah. were, were hard rock, but yet the guitarist was. You know, kind of a, a bit of a bit of a shredder, like you would see in, later on in, in heavy metal yeah. bands. You know, so it's kind of like this, like missing link in a way. Yeah. You know, so um, 
like I said, he was only 18 at the time, and and Chrysalis Records was was very interested in them. So they signed UFO to this 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 new version of UFO with Michael Shanker in '73. Uh, they recorded a non-LP single called "Give Her the Gun," and that was backed with the song called "Sweet Little Thing." Uh, producer Derek Lawrence did that for them. In 74, under producer Leo Lyons, he was formerly of the band 10 years after, UFO recorded an album called Phenomenon, right? Phenomenon. And that's the first album that they released with Michael Shanker. Um, it highlighted the band's harder-edged sound, and Phenomenon has fan favorites on it like Dr. Doctor. Yep. Uh, later, that was a big hit as a live single, okay? Uh, Rock Bottom, another great tune, okay? By the time of the Phenomenon tour, Irish guitarist Paul Tonka Chapman joined, okay, but he would leave them in 75 to form a band called Lone Star. Um, wow. Now, one thing I got to mention real quickly, and a lot of people don't know this, is the Rolling Stones, based on listening to the Phenomenon album, tried to get Michael Schenker. Wow. Yeah. To replace Mick Taylor, who had left wow. the Stones in 74. Okay. And, you know, that, I think, you know, the next album they did was Black and Blue with Ron Wood. They had settled in on Ron Wood. But Ron Wood, you know, they knew Ronnie Wood, but, you know, they, they were also actively looking for guitar players, too. And wow. Shanky was one that they considered based on hearing this Phenomenon album that came out. Because if you listen to Phenomenon, there's some a little bit of bluesy guitar playing in there. Okay. And 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 there's kind of like some you know Stones-esque kind of songs. Not yeah. exact not exactly. I, I, I don't think he would have been a good fit in the Stones. I I, I don't know. He was kind of like this. You know, leather pants, leather jacket, wearing metal guy, okay? early metal guy. Okay, I don't know how he would have fit in with the Stones, but I mean, it's interesting that they even considered him, which showed that you know how you know how their mindset was in seventy four, seventy five. Okay, so anyway, um, interesting side note. So um, the two following albums would be Force It which was released in July of 75 and no heavy petting released in May of 76. And that was recorded with ex heavy metal kids, Danny Pyronel, who served as a regular keyboardist as well as harmony vocalist and harmony vocalist and songwriter. Okay. So he was getting involved with UFO on those albums. Um, an extensive touring brought UFO increased visibility in America um, there was a, a, a song called uh, Belladonna from No Heavy Petting that was actually a big hit in the USSR, in the Soviet Union. Okay. Now, in those days, sometimes what they would do is they would have other people cover a Western song. They'd have a Russian guy cover it. Okay. And there was, I believe, a version of that done in Russian by somebody else. Okay, but you know, in those in those days, like Western music was banned from Russia, so it was really underground. It was it, it was an underground, very underground 
illegal music scene in the Soviet Union. And you'd have your ass handed to you if you got caught with these records. They were usually smuggled in through, through under the Berlin Wall. Wow. Okay. You know, uh, a lot, you know, and Russia in the 80s, before they fell, okay, and the Berlin Wall came down, had a, 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 a thriving heavy metal scene. They couldn't stop it, uh, the communists. They couldn't really stop it. Can't stop the okay. music, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even like things like owning a pair of jeans, like you know, tight jeans or something, would you'd get arrested. Okay. Wow. So yeah, so you know, they 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 viewed it as like uh, you know, immoral or you know whatever they Western de decadent music or whatever. So they 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 banned it, and they they used to be a list. In the 80s, I remember seeing this list a few times of bands uh, and, and that were banned from the Soviet Union, okay? And uh, they'd have a reason next to it, maybe more than one reason, you know? And I remember, like, uh, I think the Ramones were on that list. It said, like, promoting violence, <laughs> prom promoting violence uh, you know, um, other other punk acts, you know, hardcore bands, you know, whatever, couldn't couldn't they weren't allowed to go to the Soviet Union. Anyway, I, I digress here. But well, in let me July, ask you a yeah. quick quick question. So at sure. this point, these guys are they look like they're taking an album every year. They're taking an album so far, so they're definitely yeah. writing, pumping out albums. They they were very the prolific. Place. They were very prolific. They were very uh, enthusiastic, strong songwriters. Uh, Phil Mogg is a is great uh, lyric writer. Um, they, you know, they were really, you know, they were just putting out a lot of music, and it was it was bringing attention to them in Europe. It, 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 they never they came to America. They would open for certain bands. Uh, they had some success, but never could quite break. At least at that point, they they weren't about to. But that would change. Um, in July of '76, the band re recruited keyboardist. And rhythm guitarist Paul Raymond, who was originally in Savoy Brown. Savoy Brown was a blues band in the late 60s, early 70s. That, well, I think just late 60s, maybe they might have broke up around 70. Um, British blues band that the band Fog Hat came out of. Okay, Fog Hat came out of, I think there were two members of Fog Hat that broke away from Savoy Brown and and started Fogat. Uh, wow. Fogat became very big in America. Okay, they were huge. Slow Ride, Fool for the City, all that stuff. Um, remember, we did the the Fogat live making of that album and everything. One of the you know, best yeah. best live albums. Yeah. Um, now it, they they with Paul Raymond they made 1977's Lights Out, which brought a lot of attention to them. Um, it kind of represents this peak period of, of UFO um, with songs like Too Hot to Handle, title track Lights Out. Lights there's a seven-minute seven sort of ballad, which is one of the most popular songs by UFO called Love to Love. Okay, uh, Lights Out got UFO substantial critical acclaim. They really started to get critical acclaim on top of a little bit of commercial success. Uh, they started playing arenas, okay, at this point, and big theaters across U.S. and Europe. They started opening for bands like Rush, 
ACT. <laughs> well, they did. They did several times. Uh, and, and I'll go so far to say I think Rush was influenced by them, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some There's a couple of songs by UFO that kind of sound Rush-like, you know, if they were heavier and without Geddy Lee, you know, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, without that, that vocal that I hate by Geddy Lee. But anyway, uh, Riding High, UFO rushed back into the studio at that point to record their next album, which was called Obsession. 1978 one it's a fan favorite um it was not really as successful as lights out but a lot of people still point to it as you know one of their one of their favorite ufo albums uh it maintained their arena status even though it didn't do as well commercially um but once again they were out there touring like crazy with rush and acdc again but they also opened for blue oyster cult sticks Fog yeah, Hat, Jethro yeah. Tull, Ario Speedwagon, and even Molly Hatchet. Okay, they, they did shows <laughs> Molly Hatchet. Yeah. So, That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting combo. While on this tour, uh, they recorded the live album Strangers in the Night, which wow. uh, I got to tell you, I think it's, it's going to be, if we do another live album live series, album? yeah, we're going to include that because it really is one of the best live albums ever made. Um, it got them even more critical and commercial success with this album, especially in the States. Uh, it got to number seven in the UK charts uh, in February of 79, and it, it, it did okay in the United States. Um, I don't have an exact chart position, but it did well, okay, well enough to get them noticed and critically acclaimed. Uh, they toured once again. This time they opened with Kiss. Yeah. Um, Cheap Trick. Journey, Tim Lizzy, Nazareth, Judas Priest. Okay. They appeared at the California World Music Festival with Aerosmith, Van Halen, April Wine, and Toto. <laughs> Think about what a different day. I just see a UFO and Toto on the it's same Toto. Toto. Oh my God. What, Toto was the Reigns in Africa? Yeah. Right? Ro Rosanna, all that. Rosanna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that Toto toured all that much. I always saw them as a more of a studio band, but they really did tour for a while. Yeah, think about all the bands: Kiss, Aerosmith, yeah. Van Halen, Toto, Cheap Trick, Journey, Thin Lizard. Yeah, come in. Uh oh, uh oh, who's breaking in on our Hello. show? The what? Okay, hold on. Who's breaking in on our show? Uh, no, they're checking out something here. Uh oh. They're checking the panel. I don't have to. I don't have to edit this out. Man. They're here to read the meter. <laughs> <laughs> This is pretty funny. It is.
I'm like, who the hell's knocking on the door? Yeah, that's not supposed to happen. How's Molly doing? She's good. Okay, I talked to her the other day. She said she was feeling better. How about the panel here? There's another panel here, right? Right there, right? Yeah, you can take that. That sign, you can take that off. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's the light then. Yeah. All right. You got to check see if there's power. Oh, he's outside. This is an outrage. It is. <laughs> Messing up our show. <laughs> I guess he's saying turn it on. It's going to be warm this weekend, man. It's going to be like 65 degrees tomorrow. I know. It's nuts. This weather's crazy. <laughs> the gods don't know what to do. Well, I don't want winter to come, so that's good. Winter's, winter's here. <laughs> I know, but it's supposed to rain tomorrow, too, maybe. 
Yeah, but think about it. If it would rain yesterday, it would have snowed. Yeah, definitely. Because if it was cold enough, to rain like that, it turns into snow. Okay. Yep. What's happened, Zan? Yeah, today's 48. Today's, today's not that cold. No, I got 52. You know what's bad tomorrow is SantaCon. So it's going to be warm and SantaCon. So every asshole will be warm, out tomorrow. Warm, SantaCon, and raining too, possibly. Yeah, it's going to be some warm, it's going to be some warm days. Claire's going to have her hands full at the ball, right? Maybe, but we don't get a lot of Santas, but they should have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What did he say? All right. Can we, can we go back into it, or you yes. need to... They're going to come right, so back like in two minutes, so let's see what we can get in. They got to come back in two minutes? Yeah. Well, what's the point? They're just going to interrupt you. You have to edit it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to edit it out because it's crazy. So what were we out there? So they were touring with all these bands, right? Yeah, I could, I could just go back to what I said. Maybe you could figure it, you know. I could just repeat yeah. it. All right? Yeah. All right, so they toured once again behind this album, and uh, they played alongside acts again like ACDC, uh, Rush, Kiss, Cheap Trick, Journey, Thin Lizzy, Nazareth, and Judas Priest. Uh, they appeared at the California World Music Festival with Aerosmith, Van Halen, Toto, and April Wine. Toto, Toto, okay? Now, <laughs> in 78... Tension started to grow in the band between singer Phil Mogg and Michael Schenker. Uh, Schenker had a habit of, of leaving quickly after shows and sometimes during shows. Hold and on, sometimes he didn't show up. Yeah, hold on. They're coming down now. I can hear them. So you got it? I think they found the problem. Yeah, 
We need the, we need the Jeopardy music. All right. All right. Yes. Yes. Don't forget to close the door upstairs. Motherfucker. They done? Yeah. You sure? All right. Um, okay. That's what they say for now. But so the tension started growing between um, Margo and Seko. Yeah, yeah. You want me to go back to what I said before about them on tour with all those bands and just? No, I think let's move on to the tensions start at the beginning. I'll okay. So by '78, tensions grew in the band between singer Phil Mogg and Michael Shanker. Shanker had this habit of leaving during shows, after shows, quickly. Uh, he sometimes didn't show up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and and it was a, a problem. He had this habit. I you know, I, I think there was a lot of lump up, lumped up shit going on here. Okay, probably. Uh, I think that they, you know, Shanker was known for being kind of a kind of difficult to work with in general, but but also I think he was a, a bit of a heavy drinker at the time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yes, sir. I think now they're gone. He forgot okay. his bag. Okay. So, well, I'll start again, okay? Yeah. By 78, tensions grew in the band between singer Phil Mogg and Michael Schenker. Uh, Schenker had this habit of leaving quickly after shows, sometimes even during the show. Uh, he, he would sometimes not show up. All right? Uh, I think that there was a lot of lumped up shit going on here. You know, it's not recorded well in the history nobody really knows what happened but i think you know michael schenker was kind of known as difficult to work with and a bit of a heavy drinker okay there might have been other substances i'm not sure but he was using heroin maybe i got no idea no i can't even i wouldn't even guess i know that he drank a lot you know i mean he's german they drink when they're born you know so it's like uh there was something going on and he was still young he was in his early 20s probably like 20 years old, 25 years old at the most. Okay. So, you know, he, he, a lot of egos in that band or whatever. Phil Mogg is, you know, he's this, Phil Mogg is really the guy that's been in the band the longest. Okay. Yeah. You know, the whole time. So anyway, uh, once they were playing Palo Alto, uh, this was in October of 1978, Palo Alto, California. Uh, he left right in the middle of that show and left the band. He was gone. Okay. And it'd be the first of first of numerous times. Okay. Uh, he actually went briefly back to the Scorpions, but then he started his own Michael Shanker group. Okay. Uh, which they, they did well. I believe they had a couple of, couple of albums. Um, after Shanker's departure, UFO rehired Paul Chapman, okay, who had left to start Lone Star on guitar, and he brought over some kind of unused song ideas from Lone Star to UFO. Uh, shortly afterward, they released their next LP, which was called No Place to Run, and that was in January of 1980. 
that was produced. That album is it's interesting. It was produced by George Martin, who wow, produced Beatles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now this LP didn't really catch on as much as the last few albums, though it is a good record. Uh, it did crack the top ten in the UK, so it def definitely was successful. Okay. Uh, Raymond, Paul Raymond actually left the band at the end of the No Place to Run tour and was replaced by John Sloman from Uriah Heep on keyboards for a while. He played too. Uh, and then they got former Wild Horses member, uh, guitarist and keyboardist Neil Carter. Uh, he helped kind of fill in the void the songwriters left by Shanker's departure. Okay. Uh, Carter debuted with UFO on stage at the three-day Reading Festival on August 23rd, 1980, when the band played as the Saturday Night Headliner. Uh, at the beginning of the following year, UFO released the self-produced The Wild, The Willing, and The Innocent, <laughs> which uh, had a bit, bit of a, a lighter, poppier sound that was kind of popular at the time in the early 80s. Uh, they managed a UK top 20 single out of this album. Ooh, it was called Lonely Heart. Okay. So they, you know, they were still on the charts. They were still out there, still playing big arenas. Uh, a little they're off. Still making it's, albums. They're still still making, making albums or... every year. Uh, yeah, but this is the, this is, this would be the beginning of a lot of lineup changes. And I think this kind of set them back. They didn't really have a lot of stability for a while. For, through through the eighties, they were not stable. Okay, yeah, they had a lot of members because I was it yeah. was like, wow, man, what's going yeah. on here? But they had a lot, a lot of members. Right now, in February of eighty two, the band released the album Mechanics. It was successful in the UK, got to number eight, uh, which was actually the band's highest charting album ever in the UK. They never had a number one. Okay, wow. yeah. Uh, later that year, founding member Pete Way left the band uh he started if you remember this he started a band called Fastway, with yeah. fast eddie clark who had just left motorhead yeah and and pete way it was called Fastway. all right and uh later pete way would also start another band after after Fastway broke up called uh wasted and it was spelled w-a-y-s-t-e-d that's pretty okay. good yeah, the, the metal misspell that you'd always see in the 80s, you know? <laughs> Heavy metal misspell. Um, he was replaced by ex-Talus bassist Billy Sheehan. Uh, UFO released Making Contact in 1983, but the album was a commercial and critical flop. Didn't do that well. Uh, in March of 83, UFO decided to break up. They said, we'll disband. But they played a UK farewell tour with Paul Gray on bass. He was formerly of uh, Eddie and the Hot Rods. He also played a little stint in the Damned on bass for a little while too. So it was interesting. They were getting like this punk guy, okay, not pub rock sort of punk guy, okay, to play in UFO. So it just kind of shows the the connections. They were a bridge between all this stuff going on, you know. Uh, they were well respected, even in even in other circles, other genres. Okay, so however many felt that they would not permanently break up, okay, uh, they said, "Nah, they're not going to really break up." Um, there was a, a compilation came out 
called uh, Headstone. And yeah, it, yeah, the record sleeve showed a headstone denoting the date UFO started, but no end date. Okay, like mm -hmm. born, but it didn't say died. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing about this compilation, it, it featured their own music, but it also featured bands that ex-members started. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 an interesting. Not too many bands would do that. No. Okay, so it's an interesting combination. Uh, the breakup turned out to be, of course, short lived. It was really only about a year and a half, two years. Uh, by late '84, Phil Mogg assembled a new UFO lineup featuring Paul Gray again on bass, uh, ex Diamond Head drummer Robbie France who would be uh, replaced in 1985 by ex-Magnum um, uh, ex drummer Jim Simpson. Okay. Uh, and then they would bring in a guitarist named Atomic Tommy Emma. Okay. Uh, Tommy McClendon was his real name. He was a former roadie. He would play guitar and he would write some songs, uh, but it was kind of a, a not a good fit. It really didn't work with, with him. Uh, Paul Raymond would rejoin on guitar again uh, shortly afterwards. Um, and then uh, they would come out with the 1985 album called Misdemeanor. Uh, Raymond then would leave again, okay, in 86 and was replaced by Jacobson, his first name, David Jacobson. Uh, Paul Gray would leave in 87. Pete Way would come back. And play bass for him okay uh and then before gray left they actually released an ep called ain't misbehaving uh and despite this kind of revolving door and renewed activity going on in the band uh they weren't really commercially successful at all at this point it wasn't really going anywhere so by 89 after a bunch of more changes they decided they would disband again Wow. Once again, can't keep this band down. Two years later, 1991, Phil Mogg would put the band back together. Phil Mogg and Pete Way. Uh, it would be a new lineup. They would have former Wild Horses member Clive Edwards on drums and a guy named Lawrence Archer on guitar. They would release the well-received High Stakes and Dangerous Men album. Uh, it was done independently. Okay, and it did well, I mean, for an independent album, and it brought kind of some attention to them. And people were saying that they need to do like a, an originals members, line, uh, you know, reunion. Okay, so even though we had this kind of like revamped version with new, with yeah. new guys, uh, Pete Way and, and Mog being the only originals, um, you know. They said, okay, we're going to do a late 70s lineup of Mog, Michael Schenker will be back, yeah. Pete Lay, Paul Raymond, and Andy Parker. Okay. Wow. They would record and you know reunite there, and they would record the album Walk on Water in 1995. Uh, very good album. Okay, kind of a back-to-form kind of thing. Uh, they toured this album, but Parker didn't go on tour. Not sure why, okay? But he got replaced by 
a guy who had been playing with ACDC called Simon Wright on drums. Uh, however, I don't know, with Shanka coming back in the band or whatever, there was tensions again in the band. <laughs> And, and 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 interestingly enough, coincidentally enough, uh, Schenker, they're on tour, back in Palo Alto again, same venue, and he leaves. Again. <laughs> maybe he doesn't like that part of the world. Who the hell? I don't know. know. Something in Palo. Maybe the drugs are really good in Palo Alto. I don't know. <laughs> That's could that could be it. That could be the answer right there. What the hell am I doing this stage with these fucking people? I'm out. Exactly. I gotta get out of here. Okay. <laughs> same place. Same same thing that he did in '78. He does again. Okay. Um, in 1998, though, they would they would do another tour, and Schenker would come back. Okay. So he's back now. Yeah. Phil Mogg and Pete Way would continue working together now through this kind of fluctuating band membership. And uh, they would manage to release two albums, solo albums under their, their names together, just Mog and way. Okay. Uh, that was in the late nineties. One album was called edge of the world. And the other the one was called box. the chocolate box. Yes. Yes. Two good records in 2000. Schenker would come back again. Okay. UFO would reform again with him and they come out with the double album Covenant uh, they had Ainsley Dunbar on drums, fantastic drummer um, it was an album of new material and live classics okay um, then they would come out with another album in 2002 and it was called Sharks very good album, back to form kind of thing uh, but again Shanka would leave Right after this, he, he was now that was, you know, that was pretty much like six, the, seven times. Yeah, that was like pretty much the final straw right there, pretty much. Uh, and they would get Vinnie Moore on guitar. Now, Vinnie Moore was a young guy, just kind of like, you know, in his in his 20s, uh, played with Alice Cooper on the, the Hey Stupid album. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I always like that song. You know, it's just like, you know, songs, songs about the song's like an anti drug song, but it's just funny that it's called Hey Stupid, you know. Yeah. But um, he was he was known as a, a, an up and coming, very good kind of shredder guitarist, um, easy to work with. He also was in a band called Vicious Rumors. That's, I think, I think he got his start in that band. But he'd been playing with Alice Cooper a little bit. And uh, they managed to pry him away. And he ended up, uh, and, and, and he was American too. Okay. Um, but in 2003, Michael Shanker and Pete Way would come out with an album. And it was called The Plot. Okay. It wasn't a UFO album. It was them two. Okay. Uh, they used drummer Jeff Martin. So Shanker's kind of, in the background there, but he's not in the band. They got Vinnie Moore and Vinnie Moore, you know, 2003 man to today. So he's really brought some stability finally to this band. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, Mog enjoyed working with him. I think Mog didn't enjoy working with Shanker. I mean, he did, I guess, but he would take him back. But, you know, they always seem to be problems between the two of them. 
Not yeah. sure who's really to blame there. I don't really know. Okay. And they've never discussed it publicly as far as I know. Okay. But in 2004, UFO would release their 17th studio album, the first with Vinnie Moore called You Are Here. Uh, he was considered the permanent guitarist at that point. Yeah. And Jason Bonham actually was in this lineup, and he was kind of intermittently playing with UFO, playing with a lot of people at, you know, over the years. Okay, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin's Kid. Yeah. Um, in 2005, they released a, a double DVD live set called Showtime. Uh, it was a double live CD also. Okay, was uh, separately a double live CD was released uh, on the SPV SPV label, um, and what they did was they kind of mixed a number of live stuff on this record with re-recorded classics. Wow! Okay, they went back and Vinnie Moore could play the old shit. Okay, even though he had just joined this band, he must have been a big fan of UFO. Okay, to, to leave Alice Cooper and join them, you know. Um, in November of 2005, Andy Parker returned to play in the uh, Piomo Rock Festival in Granada, Spain. How do you say that? Grenada or Granada? Probably Grenada. Yeah. Real Spanish. Granada. Right? I don't know. Granada. Granada. Yeah, the Rock Festival. Granada, Spain. Right, right. Now, UFO would come out with their 18th studio album in 2006 called Monkey Puzzle. Monkey and Puzzle. fans fans are liking Vinnie Moore. Okay, they 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 think they're thinking he's bringing something to some stability to the band and he can play. Okay, so he's very popular. Yeah. Uh Parker would then rejoin the band in uh early 2007. He had a leg surgery done and he had to recover from that but when he did he would come back and on the 2008 tour pete way tried to come back to do that tour but he couldn't get a work visa out of the uk to to play to to get into the united states that's pretty funny man yeah i don't know what his story was why you couldn't do that but they ended up uh he ended up being filled in on bass by rob deluca who was playing with uh, Sebastian Bach in his post Skid Row band called uh, called uh, the Sebastian Bach Band, I believe. Okay, he was he was playing in that band, but he filled in yeah. for Pete Way. Their nineteenth album was called The Visitor, and that was released in June of two thousand and nine. Uh, they followed a tour with that of the UK, but Pete Way, even though he was in the UK, was not. On this tour, he was showing some signs of medical issues, um, and he couldn't, you know, not sure what exactly was wrong, but he he couldn't do that tour. Bass tracks were played by a guy named Pete Pickle, and no bass credits were actually put on the Visitor album. They didn't include any credit, even though this guy Pete did play on the album. Uh, Pete Way was not even mentioned on the album. However, the album did kind of see UFOs return to the UK charts for the first time in 15 years. All right. In July of 2009, they would come out with a six CD live concert box set. It contained six shows between 1975 and 1982. 
as well as like previously unreleased live tracks. In 2011, they were accompanied by Barry Sparks on bass. He would join. And in December of 2010, UFO uh, had been working on on another studio album that was supposed to be released in 2011, but it actually got released in 2012. So it took them some time to put this out, February of 2012. Uh, a guy named Lars Lehman had the bass duties on this. No Pete Way again. And uh, this album was, you know, basically giving a lot of critical acclaim. It was called the, the, the Seven Deadly. Just Seven Deadly, not Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly. Yeah. Okay. And it had gotten actually, it did, it actually did better chart wise than The Visitor. Okay. Wow. And it, it actually broke the Billboard indie charts as well. Okay. And did well in Germany and Sweden. All right. So looks like they're getting a little buzz about them. Now, in 2011, yeah, yeah, again, right. Now, in 2011, kind of as a side note, uh, former band members Danny uh, Pironal, uh, Lawrence Archer, and Clive Edwards teamed up with bassist Rocky Newton to form a band called XUFO. It was like ex-UFO <laughs> members. And in live performances, what they would do is they would do, you know, kind of vintage UFO tracks live. But later, when they wanted to make an album, they couldn't call themselves that. So they called yeah. themselves House of X. And uh, they would perform kind of like new material and stuff like that on these new records. Uh, they had a, a self-named album that was released in October of 2014. So I believe they only released one album. Uh, in, in February of 2015, a new UFO album was released to critical acclaim called The Conspiracy of Stars. And in September of 2017, there was an album of cover songs, okay, called The Salentino Cuts. And I had never heard this, and I was really curious as to what this sounded like, okay? Was it good? Yeah. I mean, they do, they, yeah. It was. <laughs> Conspiracy of Stars is good, too. Okay? Yeah. But um, I was listening to this covers album, and, I, and, you know, covers albums aren't really anything to, to rave about too often. Occasionally, yeah. somebody pulls off something good. This was one of them. Uh, they covered The Doors. They do Break wow. On Through. They covered The Yardbirds. Uh, I think it was Heart of Soul. They did. I think it was Heart of Soul. Uh, they covered the animals. Okay, I believe it was "It's My Life." Uh, you know, a bunch of other people tracks. You, you know, kind of like they they delved into like their influences. So it's kind of cool, and they did it very well. Mockin uh, oh, nice. can, can still sing. Okay, even at that at that point four years ago, he's still belting it out. He's got a good voice. He yeah, can he really does. Yeah. Now in May of 2018, Phil Mogg announces his retirement or his planned retirement, okay? Uh, UFO's 50th anniversary tour in 2019 would be his last. That was what he said. Uh, They did get some shows in. Uh, There were plans for a UK and US tour and European dates as well. Uh, But by 2020, everything would be shut down because of the pandemic. Okay, so what they're planning now is in the spring, I believe, and fall, or well, summer and fall 
of 2022, they will be doing a world tour, and it's supposed to end in Athens, Greece, on uh, in October. Um, October 29, 2022. 22, and October 29, 2022, which is the anniversary, the 18th anniversary of the show, the first show that Vinnie Moore did at that location. Okay, of joining wow. the band. Okay, that was his first place that he played. So um, that's what I got for you today. UFO still around. Uh, but know. yeah, but uh, just to mention. I got a little bit more. I shouldn't say that was it. Um, sadly, what's happened? Yeah, sadly, what's what's happened is that uh, there's been some deaths over the last two years. Uh, Paul Raymond, okay, uh, he was the guitarist and keyboardist, had several stints in the band. He would die of a heart attack on April thirteenth, twenty nineteen, at the age of seventy three. Uh, two weeks later, Raymond's replacement, Neil Carter who had played with them before, announced that he would join UFO for the final tour. Okay, so they do they do got somebody there on, on guitar. Uh, with Vinnie Moore, obviously. Um, but uh, former guitarist Paul Chapman died on his 66th birthday, which was June 9th, 2020. And Pete Way would die two months later from, I believe, a car accident. He was the age of 69 at the time. So Mog and drummer Andy Parker are the only two surviving members of the No Place to Run lineup, which was around 1980. Okay. So, wow. you know, they're going to go out with this new lineup, a little bit of a new lineup, um, and call it a day. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the the the, the, the last ride, man. What what, what yeah. fifty three years and twenty million albums so worldwide? That not a bad career, you know. No, no. Um, they they never quite would break in the states. Europe, they did very well. I'm sure they made their money there very well. Uh, yeah. but I, I think you know, they, like I said earlier, they're 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 kind of like this missing link band. Between hard rock and heavy metal, uh, I think they were well respected by people of other genres as well. Uh, Paul Gray from Eddie and the Hot Rods played bass for them when you couldn't get any more different than Eddie and the Hot Rods and, and UFO. So uh, you know, I, I think that they were well respected outside of you know different genres, which is cool. I mean, you know, it's nice. There aren't that many bands like that. You know, Motorhead yeah. would be one of them. Okay, Motorhead would be one, uh, you know, that, that so many people really just respect and love and willing to play with them no matter what genre they're already in. Yeah. yeah. So wow. that is all I got for you today, Mr. Ross. Wow, another great show, Mike. Uh, and I, I didn't know these guys, and I started listening to some of the music. I was like, wow, man. But I got to listen to that, that cover album that you told me about. Yeah, it, it, it's, 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 not, it's, really, it's, it's really not bad. I listened to the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, you want to you wanna go back into them, you got to listen to Strangers in the Night, the live album, yeah. uh, Obsession, even going back to Phenomenon, 74, 75, Shanker in the band for the first time. Uh, it would be, uh, it's an interesting album, very, you know, like I said, bluesy, hard rock. Okay, the Stones were trying to grab them up. Uh, 
you know, this is just it's just a cool band. And uh wanna thank Dan Scott again and Frank Anthony for uh requesting it. Another fan request. And we got two more of these fan request shows. We'll let two you know more, man. Time. you know, but they'll be in March. Sounds good to me, Mike, because uh, the next month is Black History for the music. And who we got yeah. for Black History? Oh, let's see. We're going to be talking about uh, Miles Davis. Okay, we're going to go in a little jazz direction for that month. Uh, Miles Davis, uh, we're going to talk about the making of Bitches Brew, this album that came out in 1970. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing this. It's probably my favorite Miles stuff. Uh you know, I'm 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 a bit of a a jazz fan. Uh, we're also gonna do a show on Sun Ra. Have you ever heard of Sun Ra? No. Okay. You will. All right. Very very important free jazz. Strange strange music out there. Okay. They uh, Sun Ra and his orchestra, not orchestra, orchestra. All right, so right. we're going to have two very unique people for Black History Month. Yeah, yep, and uh, very influential people. So where can we find you, Rob? Um, in every What's social hand? media platform. Like, if you go getting like, just go on Google and uh, tap, type in Getting Lumped Up, and you see you everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where I can probably 150 different uh, podcast platforms that you can download us. And if you listen to us right now, please hit the like button and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And because we put all the shows on YouTube now, and also on uh, the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, you can listen to the podcast there. Pandora. If you don't want to, if you don't want to look at ugly mugs all the time, but we're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess people get a little scared by us once in a while, right? We say, "Look at those guys." <laughs> and uh, Mike, how can they find you? Like, what do you got behind you there? What is that? What are you in a submarine behind there? Yeah, <laughs> People have asked me that. Like, where the hell does Rob live? You know, it's, <laughs> it's a submarine, man. The bunker. The I have bunker. a bunker, man. If you're looking for uh, me, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Rocker Mike two one two, Rocker Mike two one two. I'm also on uh, Facebook under Rocko Mike because they won't let me be Rocker Mike. And you can find me, of course, on the, the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook, Clout Hub, and MeWe as Rocker Mike. And pretty soon, Truth Social. Yep. A lot of, a lot of social media is coming out. A lot of social media. Yep. Um, and um, that's all what we, that we got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to like and subscribe, um, and always give us like a review. We always appreciate any comment you guys have. And uh, we, don't care if it's, we don't care if it's negative. We'll just tell you, "fuck you." It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but and, we don't um, get negative comments, do we? No, nah, not many. Maybe nah. once in a blue moon. That's once in some dick. Once in a while. All yes. right. <laughs> and like every other show, remember: don't get drunk. You get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. The only podcast you will hear That will be music to your ears 
Let's get lumped up on the rock show. 